The Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast, specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country. Now, here's your host, James Landry. Hello, and welcome to the Palace Perspectives podcast, the podcast that brings you conversations about professional analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. Today, we have a pertinent topic that I think a lot of folks will find really interesting. Before I reveal the topic, however, I want to introduce a very special guest with me today, and that is Karen Regan, CPA, CVA, and partner at the O'Brien, Riley, and Ryan PC Certified Public Accountants and Advisors. Karen's audit and tax practices include clients in real estate management, construction, trucking, truck retailing, restaurants, manufacturing, and wholesaling, just to name a few. And from her point of view, the sense of professional accomplishment and personal satisfaction is very similar, whether she's working directly with clients or with staff. It's great to help someone else succeed, she's told me, and to have the answer when they have questions, challenges, frustrations, and need help. What could be more rewarding? And I tend to agree. So Karen, welcome. Thank you, James. I'm excited to be here and discuss this topic. Yeah, that brings us to the topic, doesn't it? And so let's talk about what is that topic? There is a subject that has been dominating the headlines in recent, well, months, and will continue to do so for the next few months, I'm afraid. No, I'm not talking about COVID-19. Unfortunately, that will be the case. I'm talking about, you guessed it, the 2020 U.S. presidential election. So Karen, that brings us to our topic today the impact of the presidential election on individual and business tax planning. And I think it's fair to say that the candidates view President Trump and Vice President, former Vice President Biden on this subject include a myriad, a whole host of differences. So Karen, in the world of financial planning, taxes, whether they be income taxes, capital gains tax, the alternative minimum tax, state and federal estate, taxes often take center stage when helping clients make investment decisions asset ownership decisions, domicile decisions, college funding decisions, and much more. Karen, I think that's pretty good news for CPAs, isn't it? Yes, it certainly helps to keep me busy. I'm sure it does. So Karen, before we go too far, I wanted to tell our listeners about a couple of good online resources that I found to be really helpful. One is the Tax Policy Center, and you can find those uh, that at taxpolicycenter.org. The other one is Tax Foundation, taxfoundation.org. I'm sure there are others, but both of these resources claim to provide an analysis that is independent, nonpartisan, and is updated very regularly. I'd encourage our listeners to peruse the web pages, and they'll find that information to be instructive as to each candidate's position on all things tax-related. So, Karen, we're going to try to do our very best to assess both candidates' tax plans, tax policy. It seems, though, that former Vice President Biden's tax plans are spelled out a little bit more clearly. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Yeah, so Karen, we're gonna, we could slice this up in any number of ways, but at the slight risk of oversimplifying, let's break it down into two broad categories, tax planning for individuals and tax planning for businesses. So let's start with individuals. Let's talk a little bit about what is President Trump's proposal for individual taxpayers. It seems to me, as I've read and listened to him, it's mostly about going back and making permanent several of the provisions from the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. I think it would be helpful, James, if we laid out some of the changes that happened in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, specifically the items that President Trump is looking to make permanent. 
one of those items was we went from a top tax rate of 39.6 down to 37%, which was a big impact for a lot of our high net worth individual taxpayers. Additionally, in the 2017 tax reform, there were some major changes to the itemized deduction. The first one I think is important to note is the state and local tax limitation, also known as the SALT limitation. This had a huge impact on many individuals, especially ones living in Massachusetts. What this meant was combined all of your local and state taxes, real estate taxes, income taxes, were capped at $10,000. Again, a very small amount for a lot of our taxpayers in Massachusetts. Yeah, in Massachusetts, Karen, if you own a modest home, you're going to be capped at that 10000 right away, aren't Just you? Just in your real estate taxes right. alone, never mind your state income taxes on your income, yeah. on your salary. So for, for a lot of, if I could stop you there, sure. for a lot of individual taxpayers, what was viewed as a tax cut from 39.6 to 37, really after you shake out all the other things that went into the mix here, maybe not so much for everyone that lives and owns a significant amount of real estate. Absolutely. And even to your point, not even a significant amount of real estate. If anyone is working and owns a home in Massachusetts, that was a big impact. The other itemized deduction that we also saw a big impact was the 2% deductions were eliminated. These were deductions for tax preparation fees, investment management expenses, which can be significant for higher earning individuals because they need to pay these professional fees. They tend to have more complicated tax returns and have more assets under management. Another area that we thought was a big benefit to uh, sole proprietors and individuals who had pass-through income from their businesses. So pass-through income being income from LLCs, partnerships, S-corps, they saw what was called a qualified business income deduction. There was a lot of thresholds and formulas around this, but um, simply speaking, you got a 20% deduction from earnings from those businesses. So in other words, you really were only taxed on 80% of your business income. Yeah, so that would include maybe a, a husband and wife. One of them has the, is the primary breadwinner, but maybe the other one's in retail business doing something. That's all would have, they would have gotten this QBI deduction. Exactly. And a lot of the entity structures these days for businesses are pass-throughs. They're typically the LLCs. Small business owners. Small business owners. So that was a a big benefit to them. And lastly, I wanted to speak about the estate tax exemption. So the exemption, meaning the threshold that you're required to file a state tax return upon death. So the 2017 tax reform doubled that threshold. And today it stands at 11,580,000 per individual. That means over 23 million per married couple. But as an aside, Massachusetts is still stuck at the 1999 threshold of $1 million, which means that many, again, speaking to people who own real estate in Massachusetts, the real estate alone puts them over that threshold. One thing I want to comment on about the estate tax and the exemption levels, which of course the federal is quite high, but many um, individuals don't realize that when the IRS or the Commonwealth of Massachusetts looks at your balance sheet, for purposes of calculating how much your estate, by the way, you have an estate once you die. Once you're, what your estate is worth, they're, they're adding things like life insurance death benefits if that insurance is owned personally. Is that correct? Exactly, even if... Yeah. Right. So you may not think you're worth $10 million, right. but when you add three, four, or $5 million of life insurance death benefit to it, 
all of a sudden the IRS starts snooping around. Absolutely. All of your assets, et cetera. And again, in Massachusetts, it speaks to everyone needs to do some estate planning, not only for just to mitigate taxes, but back to your first podcast of the very important reason for estate planning. Karen, you listened to our podcast? I did. All right. Good for you. And just to speak on the businesses from 2017, we saw a flat tax for C-Corps at 21%. We could speak to that a little bit more, but that's where it stands as of today. And as I read the, the QBI, this Qualified Business Income Deduction for pass-through entities, really came about because they wanted to put on parity the C-Corporation exactly. 21% with the you know, majority of small businesses are pass-through entities. Small business owner says, well, wait a minute, maybe I should be a C-Corp. This is putting it in a parity, exactly. an attempt that, anyways, that right? That is exactly the premise yeah. as, as to why they did it. As the C-Corp has all other issues in and of itself. They might have a flat tax on the surface. <clears> it might look you know, better to have a flat tax of 21% versus someone who might be in the 37% tax bracket. But you've got to get your money out of there, which is going to be taxed again. But the thing about this Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is several of these provisions that were put in there were set to expire in very soon, December 25, December yes. 31. Mm-hmm. You wake up January 1, 2026, and all of a sudden that $11,580,000 estate tax exemption is going to be basically cut in half. Yeah, exactly. Right? Which is a good segue into Trump's plans. Right. These are the types of things that he's looking to extend permanently rather than sunsetting or expiring at the end of 2025. Some of the other, while we're on the topic. So keeping the the top marginal rate at 37% into perpetuity, making that permanent. Correct. Now we know nothing's permanent in this world. Yeah, exactly. Right? Death and taxes, they (laughs) say. Yeah, exactly. All it takes is an act of Congress. Yep. Right. Yep, for sure. But yes, he is still um, wanting to keep the tax rate at 37% for the top bracket. However, he has proposed that the 22% bracket be dropped down to 15%. So that is the middle income earning people. So if you're married filing joint, those are the individuals that fall in between the 80 and $171,000. Okay. Um, There was this issue related to COVID-19 and stimulus trying to help individuals by deferring a payroll tax this year. And President Trump's, which was made law, Correct. and it wasn't clear, from my understanding, as to whether or not that deferral would have to be owed by employers or by employees or both at some point in the future and when. So I think that Trump wants to make that deferral sort of permanent. He does. Right? So as it stands now, and it's only the employee who gets to defer the payroll taxes. The employer still has to pay, but it's a deferral and it's going to be owed um, in 2021. Right. One of Trump's proposals is to make it be forgivable so that it doesn't have to be paid. But I've heard the argument that the proposal is not really a big deal is because most employers didn't really enact this, have not withholding the payroll tax because they, they just we're not sure what happened to the employee next year. Yeah, exactly. You know? So we're not going to mess. Exactly. So. And that would also could be a burden on the employee right. in 2021, not knowing what kind of employment there's going to be and the, what the economy looks right. like. The other, one of the other topics is um, that he's proposing is capital gains. So currently uh, capital gains has three tax rates, one zero percent for um, low earning individuals, 15 percent, and then 20 percent. The 20 percent tax rate kicks in if you are an individual taxpayer at 441,000 and a joint taxpayer at 496,000. 
President Trump is proposing to reduce that back down to the 15% that we saw year, a few years ago. Okay, that's interesting. And, and that kind of probably brings us to Vice President Biden here. because I know he's got some differences the way he looks at capital gains, particularly, uh, and also f- uh, federal income tax marginal brackets. So Want to talk a little bit about him? Sure. Biden's proposals indicate that there's going to be no increase in taxes unless you're an individual earning over $400,000. So let's speak to the provisions that he wants to put in for those particular people with taxable income over $400,000. He wants to restore the top tax bracket back to the 39.6%, which is what it was prior to the 2017 prior to the 2017 reform. I'm going to stop you there because everyone's, of course, that no one likes to pay income taxes. You may have a philosophical argument as to whether they're good or bad, but no one really enjoys paying taxes. So you look at 37 to 39.6 and you say, well, what a jump, that's going to be painful. But historically speaking, that's fairly moderate. I have some numbers right here in front of me, Karen, that if you go back to even the Reagan uh, years back in 1980, the top marginal bracket then was 70%. You go back to the Kennedy years, President Kennedy, it was in the 90s. So relatively speaking, 39.6% is pretty moderate. Yeah, and nobody talks about that. Maybe I should use those as an example when I have to tell clients that they owe taxes. (laughs) Yeah, fortunately, I hope those days are behind us. But again, we should also point out that marginal brackets are different than effective brackets, and effective brackets are based on what you can deduct Mm -hmm. as a taxpayer. And certainly President Biden's or Vice President uh, Biden's proposals when it comes to itemized deductions are a little bit different than They are. His proposal is to cap it at 28%, almost bringing back limitations that we had prior to 2017. Currently, there is no cap at the well, aside of the, the SALT deduction, but there is no cap at the total itemized deduction that you can take. And I think also he's proposing for retirees uh, a higher Social Security tax. Is that He correct? is. So this is an interesting one. So, Actually, it's not for well, retirees. It's, not retirees. it's, it's for, for all in wage earners, it's right? For, exactly. Yeah. So currently, you, um, as an employee and your employer matches, you pay Social Security payroll tax up to a certain threshold. Uh, for 2020, that threshold is $137,700. Uh, Biden is proposing that tax comes back into play once you hit 400,000. So for between 137,701 and 400,000. It's a donut hole. It's a donut hole. There's yeah. no tax. But as soon as you make 400,001, you're back paying that 6.2% social security tax. Well, give you some negotiation with your employer. Say, don't give me that raise. Keep in mind, true, because it's going to save the employer as well, because right. the employer has to match any employee deduction for, F- for FICA tax. Okay. Well, that's a strange uh, that, predicament to be in. It is. And, he, and he's also looking to do that with inflation to close that donut hole. So eventually the social right. security tax is, is going to be on all of it. Another biggie, we have several clients that are investors, of course, Mm -hmm. and several of them are uh, passive real estate investors. And they've taken advantage of this provision in the tax code for many years called a 1031, Section 1031 exchange. That is the ability to take uh, an investment property, business use property, sell it, and use the proceeds to buy a property that's like kind, right? Mm-hmm. And to defer Definitely. paying any capital gains tax that's on correct. that transaction. Yeah. 
I understand this is going away under Biden's work. It is com- completely eliminated, which is going to have a big effect. Yeah. It's <laughs> certainly going to have a big effect. And it's, as you said, it's a great tool for real estate investors to be able to roll uh, gains into a new property. Talk about estate taxes under President Biden. So as we talked about in the 2017 tax reform, the estate tax exemption doubled. Biden is looking to reduce it by 50%, essentially bringing it back down to numbers we saw before 2017, which could have tax planning now because you're going to be grandfathered in if you give away. If you're beyond that that 5.79, they're not going to um, make you bring it back. What you're saying is we've got a window of opportunity. We all thought was closing on December 31. When we had the sun, uh, 2025, thank you. Correct. When we had the sunset, you know, provision mm-hmm. of the Tax Cuts and Jobs mm-hmm. Act. And when we saw all this stimulus being put out there in the economy because of, and rightfully, I think, because of COVID, we said there's only one way to pay for stimulus that we can think of, and that is the R and revenue. Right. Uh, and the IRS stands for revenue. We figured that sunset would happen a lot sooner. It sounds like under a President Biden administration, that could happen much sooner. Absolutely. Now, there's also another interesting element about his proposal. It has to do with basis step up or basis adjustment at the death of someone. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about that. So, so as it stands now, inherited assets get what's called a step up in basis at the date of death. So that means that if you inherit an asset, the value of it at the date of death now becomes your basis in it. So let's, for example, say you inherited a stock that's worth $100,000 and you sell it almost immediately for $100,000. You don't pay any capital gains tax because you got the step up to the fair market value. At the Even if, death. say, my deceased grandfather had bought it for $10,000 doesn't matter. tons of years ago. Doesn't matter. Okay. You you basically you get to exclude that appreciation from your capital gains. Uh, Biden is proposing an elimination of that step up in basis, which means you now are on the hook for the appreciation from the beginning of time for the 40,000 that they paid for versus the 100,000 that you sell for, which that could be a significant burden on people. I remember, it doesn't seem like long ago, underneath the, the, with the global financial crisis back in 2007, the talk back then was not losing a step up in basis. It was losing. It was getting a step down in basis right. because values had fallen mm-hmm. off so much. So yes. would that go away as well? Is it just a step up that goes away, or is it also the step down of the you know, I haven't seen any clear under, detail on that. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. So that could be a biggie, right? For anyone that holds farmland, real estate, any hard to illiquid assets, exactly. small business, people that inherit those assets could have a significant capital gains quote-unquote, estate tax liability, even if they did not sell those assets. Mm -hmm. All right, that seems like a biggie. And I think it would come into play right now when you're thinking about estate planning and gifting assets into a grantor trust right now uh, because there is a step up in basis. Some of the estate tax planning we talk about here at Palace is using the power of a grantor trust swap power to move assets in and out of trust to take advantage of basis Mm -hmm. planning. If there is... Um, going to no longer be a step up in basis, some of that I would imagine gets thrown out the window Absolutely. and it's back to square one. And let's think about what we're doing here with gifting during lifetime. I think under either, either of the candidates proposals, there's estate planning needs to be looked at. Right. Yeah. A lot of things to think about. 
Okay, so that sure there's much more and there for is. sake of time, we'll, we're, we're going to just scratch the surface of business planning as well. Tax planning as it relates to our tax policy, I should say, as it relates to businesses. And when I say businesses, of course, you're small business owners that employ millions of people across the country. But also, what about just corporations in general that, as you say, enjoy a 21% C corporation right. tax rate flat? So what are some changes that are being considered under either administration? So under Trump's plan, he is looking to reduce that down even further to a flat tax of 20% from 21% for the corporations. The other big benefit he wants for businesses is a permanent first year accelerated depreciation. So that means that if a company goes out and buys a large piece of equipment, for example, that typically would have to be expensed over seven years or something along those lines, you're able to take 100% of the expense in that first year, which is where it stands with the 2017 reform, but it is due to sunset. Trump is looking to make that be permanent benefit. To yeah, yeah, I know that. I do remember the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. That was a biggie there, a bonus for the, the small business owner and be able to take that depreciation, now making it permanent. Even as much as going back, I think, in looking at prior tax returns and maybe amending those returns because yeah. of the bonus depreciation. Yeah, so in the 2017 um, tax reform, it, it wasn't clear on the bonus and assets that typically should be allowed for bonus, they didn't specifically carve out. So it actually took until this year for a technical correction on right. that in 2020, back to 2017. So we have the ability to go back and take that first year deduction, which obviously can be very beneficial. As I run across the board for both candidates, it seems like they've, in their tax policy, built in a lot of incentive to motivate employers to conduct their business operations onshore here in the U.S., and also maybe to penalize uh, employers through surtaxes mm -hmm. that don't. So this notion of making America great again under Trump maybe isn't just under Trump; right. it's also it's, under Biden. Right. Is that so, possible? Uh, that's what. That's how it. That's yeah. how it seems to be currently. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. The devil's in the details, of course, and I would encourage our readers because of time or our listeners because of time to, to go back to those websites because they give a lot of detail about the specific credits, incentives that either candidate may be offering to businesses to conduct operations yes, here on shore. Both of those websites that you referenced are, are very informative on that. I did want to mention under Biden's plan for businesses, we talked about the corporate tax rate being at 21% currently. <clears throat> He's looking to increase that to 28%. Oh. C corporations only. Yeah. Is that a level rate like the 21%? I believe so. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's a jump. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. And keep in mind too, he's a also- 20% jump. Yeah. He's looking to eliminate that qualified business um, income deduction, that 20% deduction that we talked about ah, previously. That, for the pass-through business owner. Okay. Correct. He's, he's looking to eliminate that. So if you eliminate that- and you take top brackets from 37 to 39.6. Mm -hmm. Okay, revenue. get to look at that. There's <laughs> yeah. some revenue in there. Right. Um, it's estimated his revenue is supposed to bring in something along the lines of 2.6 trillion over the. Oh, I'd seen a number that was closer to three or four. It was, yeah. but I think if you All trickle right. it down and pull some things out, it's. Uh, One trillion, two trillion. Yeah. Pretty soon you're talking about some yeah. vast quantities of cash. Absolutely. 
Okay, great. Anything else we should mention on the business before I, we wrap things up? I think we're running into the end of our time here. And this has been great, Karen. I really thank you for spending some time to go over this with us. I think our listeners will find this really helpful and interesting. It's been a pleasure to be here. So before we go, if I'm listening to this, I'm probably scratching my head and saying, look, here, it's October. Should I be doing any planning between now and the end of the year? That's mission critical. I don't want to miss out on an opportunity that goes away on January 1 because I just didn't, you know, take advantage of it. What, what would you say to that? Unfortunately, I think a lot of it is going to be a mostly wait and see how it plays out on November 3rd. I would say you always want to be thinking about year-end tax planning, harvesting tax losses to, uh, you know, offset any capital gains you might have in your portfolio, gifting appreciated stock to you know, donor advised funds or directly to charities. Those are always beneficial. But as far as the tax proposals on the table, unfortunately, I think that it is a wait and see. That being said, I don't think any of these changes are going to be in play for 2020. So we have some time to to plan in 2021, hopefully. Yeah. I know that a biggie for our clients is, hey, do I realize gains this year or next year? Because I could be paying at 23.8% this year top rate, mm -hmm. or it could be closer to 43, 44%. Or, or under Trump, it could be 183 Yeah, that's a has, big one. Who has the crystal ball? Well, we can at least wait until the election results are yes. in, and we're not sure when that will be, but we think it's right. going to be somewhere between November and the end of the year, hopefully, right, exactly. that we know. And we'll at least um, you know have some. So what we encourage you know listeners to do is talk to your financial advisor give us a call at Palace Capital Advisors. Karen, I wanted you to tell listeners what's your web address because if they have questions and want to contact your firm, how would they reach you? Sure. So our web address is www.orrpc, as in orpc.com. Great. And here at palacecapitaladvisors.com, that's P-A-L-A-S, capitaladvisors.com. So we've covered a lot, and Karen, I can't thank you enough for being with us today. It's been great um, to be here. If folks have questions, they can reach out to you and uh, you, through your website and contact points there. Next time we get together uh, with a podcast, we're going to talk about the impact of the election on an investment portfolio, and that'll be in a couple weeks. But then looking forward towards the end of the year, we're going to have Karen back again to talk about year-end tax planning. So Karen will revisit this subject a little bit. So Hopefully we'll have a little bit more information by then. Yeah, let's hear, here's to that. And thanks again for listening today, folks. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Palace Capital Advisors Triad Advisors LLC, GWM Advisors LLC, and their representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You should consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based on publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained here is for informational purposes only, is not personalized investment advice, and should not be construed as a recommendation, purchase, or sell any particular security sector or strategy to any individual person or entity. Securities offered through Triad Advisors LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through GWM Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor. GWM Advisors LLC and Palace Capital Advisors LLC are separate entities from Triad Advisors LLC.